Harry Butthole Podcast is produced in partnership with Joy Sauce. Harry Butthole. Welcome to Harry Butthole Podcast. This is the podcast based on the Korean saying, if you laugh while crying, hair grows out of your butthole. I'm Youngmi Mayer. I'm the host. Each episode, I have a guest come on and share a sad story. And then we laugh about the sad story and make hair grow out of their buttholes. This week, I have a very, very interesting, fascinating guest. And a guest that it's like, to me, it feels like unlike other guests that I've had on the podcast, which is part of the reason why I wanted to talk to him. Just like get a different angle, but still, still Asian, which is <laughs> not not a, a what's prerequisite. Yeah. But you know, still Asian, <laughs> but a different kind of Asian, a very uh, unique, new kind of Asian on the podcast. Everybody, give it up right now for your guest Royce Akifumi Wilmot, uh, also known as. Shoshin Boy on TikTok, which is probably how you know him. Thank you. I'm very flattered and nervous to be on the podcast. I feel like I've been listening and like the guests have been so great and like people I look up to. And then I'm just like a guy who talks into an upside down phone and a TV. But that's what that's what the listeners want. The unique Asian, the new new brand of Asian. I guess I am the only Asian talking into an upside down phone in a TV. You got. Yeah. You if there's are... another one, I'd love to meet them. Oh. <gasps> Can you imagine? How would you feel if there was another one? That'd be soulmates. Maybe that's wow. my soulmate. That would be a beautiful love story. That that seems like a, a Korean drama waiting to happen. Two oh, music nerds. My, my, maybe my grandpa would finally uh, be proud of me because he loves he loves his Korean dramas. So Grandpas much. and their Korean dramas. They're so hard seeming, but they're so soft when it comes to these stories of love. He's yeah. Oh, he loves them. He doesn't speak a lick of Korean. I mean, we're not Korean. He's, he's taken to just like watching all the, the Korean language channels like locally. And he'll just like watch them when there's no subtitles, when the dramas aren't on. Yeah. And I swear he must know Korean now because it's like 24-7. And he's just staring at the TV, like watching the news. Or maybe and, it's just like osmosis. He's just soaking up the emotional like. like the, it must be. Yeah, like the the expressions on their face. He's like, yeah, she's sad. <laughs> he knows exactly what's going on. Um, I really love how old Asian people love Korean. Wait, is this your Asian? Because I know you're yeah, biracial. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry, I didn't want to assume. <laughs> I love how old Asian people love Korean dramas because I feel like the running theme in Korean dramas is like uh, quiet suffering, like you're in love secretly and you're never going to tell anybody. And I'm like are all these old Asian people just like remembering their like, like all quiet, like, some, like on some suppressed memories. And it's like <laughs> always like from what I've gleamed, I'll like sit down and like watch a few episodes with them and have no idea what's going on. Cause it's like episode 35 of like, God knows how many. And it feels yeah. like it's always like someone from a farm and then someone from a city. Yeah. It's and like, that's the Romeo and Juliet mouse thing. And the farm mo- country. Mouse. And he was like a farm boy. So like, like he oh. must be like being like, ah, I remember, you know, South Park, Washington, when yeah. we were living on the farm. Oh, my God. We're, he's just thinking of that one city gal that he was in love with. 
I guess my yeah. grandma is a, was a city gal. Oh, like she, okay. she was from more more of the city. She's like from San Francisco. Okay. He was born on a boxcar. Wow, what's going? Like maybe let's, we should get your grandpa on the podcast. Actually, can you call uh, him? He'd be really interesting. I mean, he would just not. <laughs> he would never stop talking, and he would just take it wherever he. Well, that's great for a podcast. That's exactly what we need. He's born on a boxcar. What does that even mean? Like my great grandfather was a like cook on like the railways in in the Pacific Northwest. And your grandfather was born and he's straight up like born like in the middle of Idaho like on a boxcar. And like my grandpa like cooks a mean spaghetti cuz like I guess there was like a lot of Italians on that train and like his like best friend growing up was Italian so like my great grandfather had to learn how to cook a good spaghetti. You mean like a super everyone. authentic like like Italian I guess style I, as spaghetti? authentic as like I f- maybe not authentic cuz it feels like very like hearty like using like the type of ingredients you would be able to get on a railway in like the yeah, early yeah. 1920s like a fancy Pacific hamburger Northwest. helper flavor yeah spaghetti. essentially i mean it's delicious but like yeah, yeah basically so i i wanted to like touch on how we know each other which is through tiktok we're both tiktok content creators TikTokers, proudly yeah. we're tiktokers <laughs> tiktokers <laughs> table for two we're tiktokers get out of my way I, um, I, I still say I got to learn how to floss, which is probably like three generations of dance fads ago on TikTok. Yeah, flossing. it's a long time ago. You let that I'm go. Sorry, I'm not with it. I guess I'm not with it. I well, I was going to say, I thought you lived somewhere else because I was looking through your TikTok profile just to like, you know, think about things to talk about. But you live in the Bay Area and you're born and raised there? Yeah, born and raised in like a Japanese community mm. in uh I did not know that. I used to live in San Francisco for seven years. Oh, really? Like, which neighborhood? Well, when I lived there, I was an adult. I moved there when I was 20. So I lived, like, in the Tenderloin for a little bit. And then in Soma, because I got, like, this rent. And then I lived in the Richmond, in the city. And then I lived, like, I lived only in the city. Because I just lived there for seven years as, like, an adult. Like, just farting around. And then, um, but most of the time I lived in Soma on Dory Alley, which I don't know if, like, I feel like I that's vaguely just, know where that is because Dory Alley has you know like the Folsom Street Fair is like if you're listening yeah. and you don't know in San Francisco it's this big like BDSM queer street festival where you see really intense sexual stuff like they close the street off it's like a leather festival but Dory Alley had a separate BDSM festival for the kinkier wilder shit so it was like it's like it's like when something, of when something like there. wild goes goes viral on reddit of like check out what crazy shit's happening in sf during Folsom street fair it's like it's from dory alley right it's dory yeah dory alley is a crazy festival that happens i guess alongside Folsom for the for the real for the true freaks but i live there there's so much poo on that alley every day just walking by human poo left and right see that poo keeps the rents down though <laughs> exactly we need more exactly. poo in sf we man. need more poo <laughs> we need... my favorite th- the techies Wait, are trying of... to the techies are trying to take out the poo on sf but that's the we only thing poo on the street more i don't even live there i'll go over there and poo on the street for you how about that um wait what part Appreciate of the bay area do you live in i'm like in i'm like in a like japanese american suburb that like my entire family is still here basically really? I yeah, love that. Yeah. What's it called? Because that's where everyone moved after the concentration camps, baby. Wait, what's it called? Oh, I'm sorry. Did you not want to say where you lived? You're like, oh my God, please. I'm like, what's your exact address? What's your social security number? Um, it's uh, 7326. <laughs> what's the CVC number on your debit card? 
No, yeah, you don't have to say. It. I can bleep like out stolen identity. Bleeps would be funny. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be bleep out. I'll just bleep out where you where you live. Okay, so so I know you're from TikTok, and like I was saying up top, your content is very interesting, and I kind of wanted to talk because I feel like you know back in I used to have another podcast called Feeling Asian where I would interview specifically Asian people, and I would just love finding these like niche Asians. Like I would get you know we would talk oh, to am like, I a niche Asian? <laughs> yeah. Don't you oh, think? I kind of like put that on a t-shirt that's like a badge of honor niche asian niche asian yeah i'm a niche asian maybe not not anymore but um it's like a like put a together like a league of extraordinary gentlemen but of niche asians yeah asians like that Avengers. no one can relate to <laughs> the eight people in america can relate to us are listening right now um but yeah so your content is is um it's like how would you how would you describe it I I I think is I think too much about this. Um, like yeah, I like do deep dives into essentially just like things that interest me. Like mostly like music and cultural history. I guess is that is that a good description? Yes, but I also feel like it's very period specific. And I it's it's a lot of like it nineties. It's like what I grew up really into, which was not not of my time period. It's like so it's stuff like from like the 90s and early 2000s mostly because like i was like a nerdy kid into that when i should have been into like fallout boy i don't know like so i was gonna say because i feel like you're way younger than i am so i was like for you it was like vintage rock for me i'm like that's what i listened to at prom but it's like it's like funny because like i feel like i got like really into like 90s stuff It's, it's mostly 90s things like i branched out a little bit uh but because everyone was into 80s stuff when I was yeah. a little kid. Oh, and my dad hates the 80s. That's like the funniest thing. Why? My dad like hates the 80s. Whenever like the 80s nostalgia would come around, he'd be like, I lived through the 80s. The 80s were terrible. <laughs> like Reagan How? was president. The 80s were awful. Wait, was he, if, like, if you lived through the 80s, you wouldn't be nostalgic about the 80s. Yeah. Also, the music is a little tinny sounding. I know that's a weird way to describe it, but everything is so like superficial feeling i could get really nerdy about why that is no please do because this because is what like they're... a lot of it they, they were like yeah. really into like <laughs> like the synths that people were really into in the 80s like oftentimes were like used fm synthesis uh-huh. and like the big thing about fm synthesis is like you could get like really metallic sounds out of the mm. synthesizers yeah which is like cool but it does sound tinny like literally tinny and it could it be seems a little empty grating. sounding in a way that's like very specific to that time period which i don't enjoy i mean like i got really i've been getting really into 80s i feel like i missed out because like my dad was so vehemently my dad loved the 70s interesting like big funk guy so i like listening to funk growing up and then like i independently i got gifted uh like my big origin stories i got gifted like a 500 page biography of nirvana yeah and i like read that forwards to backwards in class when I wasn't paying attention to like school like three or four times and like every single band I saw in that book I would look up and that was kind of like the web of everything I'm interested in could be traced back to to, to that book essentially what do you think about it drew you to it so intensely and what what about it um holds your interest to this day because I feel like uh I always do the psychoanalysis thing <laughs> where i'm okay. like whenever I'm somebody psychoanalysis analyzed <laughs> yeah like i feel like analyze especially with music and um 
I feel like on the surface when I like music, I don't think that there's like a reason for it. But I think like the the diving into the information and learning everything about it is this weird way, not weird, but like this is my psychoanalysis like theory. It's like this way of trying to understand yourself by understanding this facet of the culture that you belong in or something. But like, what yeah. what do you think? What do you think is uh, what drew you to it so intensely? I think like that's part of it. I think it's also like the idea that I mean, like this book, it's like this, it's like Nirvana, the biography by Everett True, and like it get really deep into like the origins of of the scene itself, and like these relationships with all these bands, and I think like low key, like as a lonely kid. Mm-hmm. like being like oh all these people know each other and like interconnected like the community of it i think like really appealed to me in right. a way mm-hmm. and like a lot of the lyrics of, of those 90s bands like you know nirvana and, like whole um bikini kill like it's about you know like isolation a little bit it's like it's very political it's about yeah. you know like finding community or like sticking up for yourself or for like the people around you yeah um it's yeah. angry i i think I'm like low key could be like kind of an angry person, like not mm. angsty. I guess would be the right word. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> angsty. I think just everybody describing yourself yeah. as angsty as an adult is a little. <laughs> I'm an angsty forty year old. <laughs> an angsty adult. No, I'm. I'm. Yeah, I'm keep, I was I'm certainly an angsty, angsty child for sure. Oh, you were. That makes sense. I take that and as that, a compliment. So that no, no. I mean, it makes sense that that's like appealed to you that much. So for you, it was kind of like finding this community this big community you can connect to that felt the same sort of emotions that you did yeah and then there's there's something like kind of i find fascinating about it like there's there's a process of almost like demystifying the past in a way that Mm. i find like super interesting Mm -hmm. um that like almost makes it feel richer it it, it, like it kind of kills some of like the the endorphins in a way because like it kind of kills the nostalgia of it it kind of kills the rose-colored glasses in a way (laughs) to like dig deep and and look at you know these figures that are like so mythic in a more human lens by like reading all these interviews and like you know like trying to get as much information from like the contemporary sources and from the ground as possible uh it like kind of kills the mythos but also like paints to me, a more rich, more interesting picture. Does that make any sense? Am yes. I just talking out of my ass? Yes, and I'm really glad that you picked, you brought that up. I mean, this is like basically the reason why I don't want to talk to you because like this is a conversation that I find so fascinating, but I've like rarely ever get a chance to really discuss is like the whole idea of nostalgia and being really into this vintage thing that is not of your time. It's from some other time. Um. And like that, what you just brought up is something that's so abstract and rare, people rarely talk about. But like for me, how I relate to that is like the process of moving into adulthood from childhood for me was like interesting because I would, you know, you would watch these old movies, you know, like when I was a kid, I would watch Indiana Jones and I was like, oh, those are adults. Look at this woman with breasts right. and big blonde hair. And this is a man, you know, with a hairy chest. And then. When I like transitioned into becoming an adult, I was like, oh, those are like people that are my age. And that 
they acted like this and now I see them as human beings. And obviously that's like a Hollywood movie. But then I I really enjoyed, you know, um, like what you just mentioned, like reading interviews with this musician that seemed like this epic legend in my head. But turns out he was just a dude and he liked eating chicken sandwiches or something like that's really like a fascinating aspect of uh, learning about people. Yeah, like yeah. sometimes the most interesting interviews, like the ones that are like so boring on the surface, like you, like it's nothing I'd ever use in a video, but it's yeah. just like, it's like, it's like they come off as so like human, or like when you could tell they're like super annoyed by yeah. the interviewer, and it just like, it's just this side that like never, that would never come out, like doesn't end so up human. in a biography, like doesn't end up in a documentary, like it's it ends up on the cutting room floor unless you find it like 17 pages deep on a fan website that looks like it was built on angel fire, you know? Yeah. Like, well, this is the thing though. Like I, I love those parts of like the, you know, like sometimes they'll have like a documentary where they follow bands on tour or something. And then there's just a part where there's a sitting in the room waiting and they're like, it's two hours of waiting until our set. And then they're just like, and I'm like, Oh my God, that that's their life. Their life is like mine. Yeah. Boring. And just watching a lot of TV and looking at their phone. Oh and yeah, like, like I it love. It just like never occurred to me that that would be their life, you know. Yeah, I like love hate this Oasis documentary. It's like it's in the other room. I I forgot what it's called. It was like literally the director of it shot a bunch of black and white footage for a music video and got so much he was like, I'll cut it into a documentary, and it's not a good documentary because it's not. <laughs> I love it slash hate it. It's, it's like fist fighting the whole there's time. There's no would... narrative to it really. And like they fight a little bit, but it's like basically imagine an hour and a half of exactly what you're talking about. It's like a fly on the wall yeah. of like mostly the boring bits of hanging out backstage. But if you look, if you watch it, there's all these little bizarre moments of just humanity. Yeah. Like there's a shot of Liam Gallagher like through a slit in the door from like the main green room into his personal green room and he's yeah. just doing this funny little jig because yeah. he thinks no one's watching and yeah. it, would, it like shouldn't be in a movie like it's not entertaining in and of itself it doesn't yeah. tell any story but it's like so funny to me yeah it's so human it's fascinating in, can in I a very something? liam gallagher way but it's can so I... human and mundane almost well this is the fact this is what really fascinates me like bringing it back to being tiktokers um like content now and entertainment like i'm using air quotes now so much of it is um like the youtuber phenomenon and the content creator phenomenon and sometimes they'll just be like obviously we're both on tiktok and we look at tiktok a lot and sometimes i follow people and all they do is sit in their car and just like talk about i don't know what just like just they're just talking into the phone and i love them and i like listen to them and follow them and i feel like back in you know like when i was a kid entertainment before it kind of fell into the hands of like everybody online and we can create whatever we want was curated and produced so perfectly and we would never see these moments that producers and directors would think were quote unquote boring but that weirdly has a chokehold on people and it always has and there's something very human about it and we actually just like watching things like some guy sitting in a room doing a little jig because that's like yeah. we people do enjoy that and now we have these giant massive social uh, media content creators that do just that and i think it's really interesting that before the internet there was this idea that nobody would ever want to watch that but we do right. you know yeah i mean 
there's so many layers to what you just said that it's it's fascinating because there's like that whole parasocial aspect yeah. to, to, to to people's relationships with people on TikTok or just social media in general and how I think that's it's such a natural compulsion to want to want to f- have this relationship with the people who make these things and yeah. it's like because like medium yeah. like TikTok it's like it's cranking up that parasocial relationship it's cranking up what you're talking about so far beyond i think what anyone expected would be reasonable yep yep. like it's like no one thought you could take it that far no one thought that you could like strip like the all the other all the bs down to essentially just like talking into a camera in a car with like bad audio and we would watch it rambling for way too long like (laughs) half of tiktoks i'll watch them too god (laughs) thank god for the for the hold down to two times speed Yes, thank God. The feature, well, oh man. Can I say something? Save that hours I, of my life. Okay, I want to. I've been thinking about this for so long, and I want to say it because I like totally have never talked about this. I wanted to make a TikTok about this for so long. You know how recently, and this is like ties into like local, I'm uh, not local, but topical news as well. You know how recently there was like these a uh, bunch of batches of celebrities like coming on and making apology videos, like forward facing iphone camera apology videos right Right. we had like the ashton kutcher and the drew barrymore and all of them flopped (laughs) people were like what the fuck is this you don't mean that like and 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 i just kept thinking i think actors and traditional entertainers that you know came up in this uh, era before the internet don't don't realize that their audience is extremely um highly sensitive now to bullshit like an acting because all day long people watch forward-facing videos of just normal people authentically talking into the iphone with zero agenda right just like some dude he just got off work and he's like let me tell you what happened at work this guy was rude to me and fuck that guy or then sometimes you'll see these mind-blowing videos on tiktok where somebody's like i just got in a car accident my mom died and they're crying and you're like witnessing somebody actually experiencing a true emotion in that moment or like there's accounts on tiktok where somebody's like i have cancer and i'm gonna die soon and you watch them literally die and then one day they die and you see these emotions authentically on their face and i think a lot of actors and traditional like journal even journalists don't realize that their audience is now extremely like intuitive when it comes to judging authentic emotion. And so then Ashton Kutcher... Aren't they like marketers saying that like Gen Zers are like so not susceptible to propaganda. traditional and, advertising because it's yeah. like exactly this it's reason. Like they yeah. can smell the bullshit from a mile away. Like, And I think, you know, like when I brought up the celebrity apology videos, it was like Ashton Kutcher being like, I am so sorry. And we're like, bitch... You got to rev up the acting, bitch. You got to go back to acting school. Because we saw what it really looks like when people are really sorry. And we watch these videos for hours every day. And then I and I I think it really taps into what's happening now with the whole like people are like so against TikTok and they're seeing it's propaganda. No, it's like the opposite. Like people are coming up and just like talking about stuff and we're no longer able to buy the bullshit, you know, like watching uh, that, that like that woman, the journalist on CNN, the blonde woman that was like, "I'm getting attacked," and everyone was like, "Shut the fuck up! What are you oh, doing? Shit. Like, what are you doing, bitch?" Like, I'm terrified for my life. Yeah, yeah. It's like people are like, "No, we don't buy that anymore," and I think they're unaware that their audience has become hypersensitive. You know? Yeah. Oh, I, I, 
I really want to say something hyper cynical that might make me come off as an asshole. No, please, please. Well, I mean, it's just like the cynic in me is like, uh, to, to a certain, I think this isn't that wild of a statement, but I think like authenticity has become, for those reasons, a currency in and of itself. Yes. And like, oh. And you can also manipulate that. So I'm not, yeah. It's, yeah, like yeah. The, the, per- the person who is going to be able to like crack the code and be like the Stella Adler of the apology video and be able to like teach these mofos how to like yeah. harness that energy and like they're going to be. Oh. But also. But I mean like things I, are always adapting, right? Like very, then very there's going to be like point. a new sort yeah. of authenticity. Like there's going to be a new way to. Like people are always like, I feel like, I, I feel like in the goodness of people in community, like I think that like people who are like aware and self-aware enough will always be like one step ahead of like the people trying to yeah. you know manipulate the spin you know i like to think so but it's it's it we're on borrowed time like i feel like maybe like this window is going to close soon we're yeah <laughs> that's acidic in me though well i think for me the weird thing i think about authenticity is that how to do it is to not think about it like that's how like i approach it like i'm like i won't make a video if i really feel something about something and i'm just like you know this is really fucked up i'm never gonna be like can you believe this because that's like bullshit i don't actually feel that way and i i don't want right. who cares like why would i pretend that i care about something i well, do like i think like if you're not thinking about it like in terms of like how much am i gonna like boost engagement like oh yeah it, like it just it things end up better if it's coming from like a genuine place yeah, which is like why if you're I'm- just talking about like, oh, you want to be proud of what you make and f- have fulfillment in like what you're putting out into the world. Yeah, having it be from a genuine place is to me like the most important thing. And like, I try to have that reflect in like the little things I do when I talk into an upside down phone. No, I think that that is why you're so successful. And I think that's like the missing oh, piece that because you know, like, if you ever like, I, I remember like whenever I go to LA. It's so weird in L.A. now because there's like, you know how L.A. like people go there to try to become famous and they're everywhere right, you right. go. You like overhear them talking about their auditions. Last time I went there, I, I overheard so many people with their like TikTok, um, uh, what, what's that called? Like their plan, right? Their TikTok, fa- get fam- famous on TikTok plan. Like oh, I heard, overheard oh. somebody on their phone with their oh. agent. Being like, well, if we do this, we'll get 19 blah, 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 these numbers, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh boy. the whole, the reason why you're not making it on TikTok is because you have a TikTok famous plan and people can smell that from a mile away. Oh, like you have to do like Royce and be like, oh my God, I'm making this video about this fucking thing that I'm obsessed with. Like people can well, sense like, that, you know? The, the whole thing is a joke. <laughs> like I, I told you that, like the whole thing that I, the whole concept behind the aesthetic of the videos I make started off as as a joke on all this right like it was it was literally like everyone has this plan everyone has these gimmicks like you know people talking to little microphones or have have like temple run but under that's the not why people comments. follow you though they follow you because you really fucking care about what you're talking about do you know what i mean it's i like that like, i like, the like hope oh yeah so. i have a little yeah. gimmick but that's not your whole thing you know what i mean yeah I, I i think so but like the whole everything about it was like what what's the most it's like an anti-gimmick. I like to think of it like, I thought of like, what's the, what's the most labor-intensive, uh-huh. absurd, like Rube Goldbergian machine of 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 a, of a master TikTok plan I can come up with? And it's like, oh, like let's hook up a bunch of thirty-year-old AV equipment together, and like a modified twenty-year-old telephone. Wait, can you tell us about your setup? Because you do have to do like a lot of ridiculous. 
analog things to <laughs> produce your video. Yeah, I guess right? like, I'm like just I'm referencing up. it as if, as if <laughs> probably most of the people listening to this don't know what the heck we've been talking about. Um, so my TikToks, I have like a 30 year old. I mean, I, I have this 30 year old VHS camera hooked up directly into an, a CRT TV. Uh, and then I have a telephone that I've modified into a microphone. So I'm like talking about a band from 30 years ago mm. and I'm in the TV and then I'll play footage of the band from 30 years ago on the TV and like edit it together. And like, I guess that's, that's basically it. That's basically just it. No, but that's not Am like, I, a, I feel like that like is a very thoughtful, like aesthetic. I don't think of it as a gimmick. Cause it's like, you're talking about something that's like nostalgic in and you're displaying it in the way that it would have been seen you know so that like right, makes yeah. sense and it like works in that function but i i would argue that none of that is the reason that you're popular i think that you're popular because like you obviously authentically really care about what you're talking about you do you Appreciate know what i mean that. i mean like basically like, like everything i'm it. talking about is like i mean i diversified a little bit because like now i've started like the well is, is drying up. It's not really drying up, but like I know the well does dry uh, up. Like initially, it was literally just things that I would talk to with my friends. Yeah, it it was it was literally playing the game of you know when you sit around a computer. Do people still do this anymore? But especially growing up when YouTube was like newer, you like sit around a computer with YouTube and you're like, oh, have you seen this clip of this band playing on Conan like in 96? Yes. Like, oh, have you seen this interview where, where this guy says I something love that absurd? This is what you did when you were young. It's like what I did in my <laughs> 20s and 30s is yeah. share YouTube um, videos. Yeah. So it, it's like essentially a game of that, yeah. you know? And then because I like have ADHD and, and have these hyperfixations, it's essentially become and and always kind of was even playing this game amongst friends where it's like, it's not just enough for my brain to be like, Oh, that's a funny video of pavement playing Conan in 1996. It's mm -hmm. like, Oh, let's find the interview from the night before they played Conan in 1996. Like, let's find what they were doing, what they were saying, what album cycles is on that sort of thing. Um, and like most of the time that ha it doesn't even make it into the video, but I think it like, it reflects my enthusiasm, I guess, because it's like, I want to talk about this thing. I'm like so excited to share it, I guess. Well, I think that that like, that's how most people's brains work, too. You know, it's like the whole, you know, when you watch a movie and then you look at Wikipedia after and like, oh, yeah, like you're like on it for like an hour. It's like if somebody did all that work for you, like that's amazing, <laughs> you know, like you watch this pavement clip and then you're like, whoa. And then it's like all this other information that you would have looked up anyway it's like you're curating based on this understanding of how people learn information or like like to look at information now or like like to look at entertainment yeah now, you yeah know? and it's, it's i feel like i'm super lucky that like for the most part like the comment section and like the people who like watch my videos like i i i feel like sometimes people do the whole thing where they're just like I'm so grateful for the people who watch my videos. Like I like read every comment or whatever, but like, I think I'm like lucky, like genuinely a lot of the people who comment on things, like oftentimes people say mean things, but like will like add to the conversation and like bring something up or point me in a direction that yeah. like, be like, Oh, like I like ran into the guy you're talking about and he's like working here not to like dox anybody, you know, I find that that's so super cool. I've met a lot of people like yourself, like 
just via making these videos. The people who are in the same thi- the same things. It's God God bless the algorithm, I guess. I don't know. Like, oh my God. I love it when um I've talked about this with my friends, but like it's like what you were saying, TikTok is like an expression of human connection that none of us could have ever like anticipated. Not just TikTok, but I guess social media in general, but like specifically TikTok because there's so much information that moves so quickly on it. But like there was this woman that was like really pretty and she had like really interesting looking eyes. And um, she made like a video like, oh, this is how you should do makeup if you have an uh, eye shape like mine. And everybody in the comments was like, oh, you have this like condition, this like, uh, I don't know, like uh, like a birth defect thing. And she was like, what are you talking about? I'm 19 years old and no one's ever told me that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do the, you see that video? The funniest thing about this is like, I don't and, know which one you're talking about because I'm pretty sure something so similar has happened multiple so times. times. And then she Googled yeah. it. She found out she has it. And then she had a son. She was 19, but she had a son. And her son is very, so cute and like pretty. But he has one very blue eye and one brown eye. And that's like a common trait of this like syndrome. And they're like, yeah, look at your son. And then she found out she had it. And I was like, that's fucking blowing my mind. She made one video of like doing a makeup tutorial. Kind of gives you faith in humanity. Like in the infinite amount of time. And everybody was being so sweet. People were like, this is so, like, you're so beautiful. And this is so unique and cool. You know, like nobody was making fun of her or anything. But like that would, like, if somebody told you that was going to happen, you know, or like told me that was going to happen because of the internet, I'd be like, that seems impossible it's like back in the old days like you know when people heard these stories like (laughs) this person was adopted and 50 years later they had to write thousands of letters to find their mom but like now it's just like like there's that movie about those two adopted korean twins and one of them went to france and one of them went to california and (laughs) and did you see that documentary no so the one that lives in california was starred in a student film while she was in school and it ended up on YouTube and somebody in Paris saw it and was like, oh, my God, this looks just like my friend. And sh- and he showed her and they're and then they found out that they were twins separated at birth. Like, that's nuts. You know, this happens every day now. I mean, this is kind of boring on one of my biggest fears, though, what? which is like someone that I talk about in one of my videos watches one of those videos oh i'm sure they have i'm so sorry to tell oh, you but I they definitely that. have oh they definitely people, have are you kidding well, people me will start like tagging them oh and God. i'm like please no they've seen it a lot Kathleen of hannah like to be watching me my i'm sure a lot of them have seen it i sometimes i <sighs> i know like sometimes i'll tweet something and it goes it's like super viral and i'm like oh fuck i fucking know i, I feel like really lucky though that like like none of this internet stuff has has uh spilled over into my quote-unquote real life not much at all like i've never been recognized in public i've never like oh really none of that type of stuff has happened yet yeah interesting knock on wood or not knocking wood i don't know well maybe because um, your aesthetic I, is so kind of grainy it's just like a little further away you I know think what I mean? that's a bit of a shield i feel like that's kind of intentional uh, <laughs> yeah i think like being in the bay versus like in la or in new york maybe i bet you a lot of people have recognized you and this just haven't said anything Maybe, I maybe, bet you. maybe, maybe. It's like people I know have been like, I think I saw you on TikTok. Like that's that's the extent of it. Yeah. No, I'm um, sure people have recognized you. I also feel like uh, San Francisco, like the Bay Area vibe is like 
they're very okay when i moved to new york because i moved here from san francisco i was like oh people care about famous people here because i remember in san francisco like when i worked in restaurants there all my coworkers would be like i guess there's like a celebrity on table 14 who gives a shit like they pride themselves on not caring or something it's also it's also kind of funny like and like it, it speaks almost to how you said that you didn't realize I was in the Bay. Is that there's something so specific about my aesthetic and like what I do that I feel is is in some ways very not not what you would expect of a Bay Area quote unquote TikToker influencer. Mm-hmm. I feel like my idea of like a Bay Area TikToker is like not what I do. It's it, I have such a hardened image of what that is and it's all mm. like going to to the new fancy restaurant in the richmond or like whatever yeah and not like talking out of a tv i don't know um, yeah. what is the bear so i don't know if that has something to do uh, with it and like if you look at my demographics which i'm fascinated by oh we were gonna like, talk about none that. of the places in the bay i think are in the top five or whatever. wait 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 so you, yeah you asked me that and i forgot what what is your what's your demographics I could check again. Uh, <laughs> I haven't checked I in a while. Like, I'll look at it too. Brooklyn, weirdly in Texas, LA, and then like I'll Texas. do like th- there's that 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 jersey is from a Scottish soccer team, <laughs> and I kind of was intentionally trying to game the algorithm where anytime someone would mention it, I would interact with it, and it kind of became this like weird self. Like perpetual motion machine, where I think it kept on feeding it to people who would recognize the shirt. Yeah. So like, I think like, at least for a while, Dublin and Glasgow were were in, in the top five. It was like Brooklyn, wow. Houston, L.A., Dublin, Glasgow. I like that. I like your um your. Well, I know Dublin's your... not in Scotland, by the way. That's <laughs> wait. Let me look at my analytics. I'm looking at it right now. I'm in my flop it era. Changed. Number been, one. I try not to look at it this much. I went through. I never a phase look at I, it. It makes it gives me anxiety. this was fresh that like I would be looking at it way too much. Um, how do I look at it? I forgot gender. Okay, so here it is: eighty percent female, twenty percent male. Okay, most people forty six percent, twenty five to thirty four. Okay, thirty one percent. Oh, might have Asian. changed. Okay. Uh, United States, the UK, Canada, Australia, Philippines. Those are my countries. LA, Chicago, Brooklyn, Houston, and Seattle. Oh wow, Texas. We got a big Texas. Uh, yeah, I got two Texas. I got LA, Chicago, Brooklyn, Houston, Dallas. I guess I got to get my numbers back up in Ireland and Scotland. Wow. Got to make another video about Shinsuke Nakamura. Or What's whatever. your gender breakdown? Eighty percent female. That makes sense for me. Fifty-four percent male, forty-six percent female. Wow, you are you're across the board. I'm down with that, and it's starting to skew younger. It used to skew like way older than I think the typical oh like, of TikTok course. audience was, just because yeah. like it's like '90s stuff. <laughs> but it's like thirty-seven percent, eighteen to twenty-four. Wow, that's a, that is a big percentage. Um, but I got two percent, fifty-five plus. So. I'm riding with you guys 55 plus. I never look at that. I never look at anything because I feel like I'm scared of it. I think that there's like a like a learning curve with social media where you get really obsessed with stuff and then like it freaks you out too much. And then I don't even look at comments and stuff anymore. I'm too scared. Comments can be scary. Yes, yes. People are so mean. Are I mean, so like I think crazy. most of them are nice, but like, people can be so mean. You know what bothers me more and not the mean people? It's the people that like tell you something and it just gets under my skin. Like they try to like tell you teach you something and i'm like oh stop stop bothers me yeah like it, it's like 
Okay, like the condescension. Yeah. Like I get it a lot. Well, it, it's oh, it's I'm sure to the you point. Do. Oh my god, I can't. Well, imagine. because the upside down phone, I always joke about it, but people are so mean because to modify a, a, a telephone into a microphone, yeah, the cord has to come out of the top. Mm-hmm. So I I know that if within like the first 10, 15 minutes of someone, if someone is mentioning in a mean condescending way that I've got the phone upside down. Yeah. Like, oh, this video is going to do numbers. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. It brings up Because the... it's like, oh, that's engagement. And then it's like, it's feeding it to people who like, I feel like now it's like. The haters. People are so jaded to the upside down phone. It's like, they get it. It's been explained a million times. I make jokes about it. But like, oh, like new people are getting this one. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta like harden my heart to, to the mean comments and like yeah. enjoy the fact that this one probably will get like more views than the last one or whatever when i was doing a lot of like asian identity jokes like the stand-up jokes that i had in the beginning of my tiktok career it, it would every once in a while one of the videos would fall into this like uh mr asian incel pocket and i'd be like here we go Oof. baby Oof. strap I've, on like, your seatbelts most of like the places i fear my videos will end up like knock on wood because like i'm like i feel like the same part of me that hyper fixates on like things i enjoy like i know way too much stuff about things that scare me on the internet yeah yeah like way too much um and then yeah and so like i know how much places like that exist and like none oh, yeah. of them oh you know thank what's the god yeah. well, a lot of it is like i'm a cishet dude so like Though I'm not, I'm like low on their list of targets. Like I'm very fortunate and privileged in that regard. But like, yeah. But once you, there be some bad there, people out there. There's scary pockets of very specific and strange uh, pockets of Asian people that really hate black people. And any time, oh, like you do this, like anti-black racism, Asian community has to stop doing that. Oh my lordy bajordy Leah Forty. It's like, whew, just gonna turn my phone off. They get crazy. And the DMs, oh, I'm like, I have imagine. never like the psycho, like that is the topic that brings out the most psycho, like, I'm gonna kill you and like eat your neck meat oh. and like those kind of psycho comments where I'm like, oh, I'm maybe I have to call the police, you know, like that is Jeez. the one See, topic. Oh. But then it makes me feel like sometimes I'm like, God damn it, like I hate it when this like anti-black racist thing happens and i have to address it and i'm like i have to fucking address it because it's not okay you know and that's like doing the work you know I mean, that's that, a good hornet's nest to kick that means that you're yeah, doing something right i like, and, like, I like kicking like, it truth and they're to, like, losers yeah. too they're really easy to like they're really easy i to mean half the of. time there's like that's like one thing being like more public facing on the internet like you kind of realize is like most of the people who are like have like this vitriol or like I don't want to be a person who's like, there's a positive, like, uh, toxic positivity thing. I'm not like one of those people, but like a lot of people like bring that like super, like high octane negativity. Like they're losers. They like it's losers. like that's the word that and I keep sad, on like saying myself. It's like, hurt. what is this person's like? You almost feel bad for yeah, them. Yeah, like, I feel bad like, for th- them. They're putting spending this much energy on this. Yeah. Like, and it's like I kind of like, just want to be like, I'm sorry, I can't reply to all your comments because I'm. <laughs> Out having like sex you're living, and living like my a life. fulfilling I'm going life to a party that like is not spent. Yeah, with my fr- I'm having a, a loving conversation with friends that care about me. Like, yeah, sorry, it's, it's buck wild. It's, oh it's, man, yeah, it is sad. But um, yeah. That having been said, I think those moments when that happens, it is like an opportunity. To just like sometimes I'll just be like, dude, I'm sorry that your life sucks, and then it turns into like a nice moment you know there have been rare occasions that i've been like hey i'm not your enemy 
and I'm sorry that you feel sad or what, and you're attacking me from a right. fake account, but whatever. And then, you know, sometimes it, it can turn positive, I guess. But, um, but let's get to your sad story. So what is your oh, sad right, story? Right. We got to laugh about it. <laughs> oh, right. Shoot. Uh, I mean, like, it's like kind of along these lines. We're like, I mean, like, I mean, you had that TikTok and you talked about it with, with your episode with just how about that, um, that TikTok you had that like went viral where that woman was speaking on unlearning her her like deep ingrained like Japanese nationalism. Mm, yeah. Uh, in like regards to like Palestine. Yeah. Uh and like like oddly enough, as a Japanese American person, uh, because of like the history that I'm sure we might at least touch on, uh like I related it so much to it so much in that like it felt like there was this like very similar sentiment that like I kind of have like deep seated that I feel is like kind of uh, this like well of like sadness and like anger in that uh, this idea that like the perpetuators of so much of, of like the tragedy and like generational and like, cultural trauma mm-hmm. um, that like has happened to like basically any marginalized community like like th- their children their grandchildren never have to to come to face with that yeah like unless they do p- the active effort of like trying to unlearn it i like think about uh like there's this this thought that i have of like like my, my grandparents i'm half japanese american mm-hmm. which i think we mentioned mm-hmm. like my grandpa and grandma and like great uncle who like i was like incredibly close with um like they were grew up in like in the concentration camps mm. like there into the lake and like i think about how like how that tore apart like communities and and like the fallout of that mm. how like that's something that at some point in like my mind like in the back of it it like manifests itself every single day of my life mm-hmm. certainly every single day of of their lives every, every single day of, of anyone in the japanese american community's lives like the way like it just tore shit apart the fact there's only three japan towns in, in the entire country have just irreparable damage it's a thing that just like it's inescapable like the people my age yeah. whose grandfathers had their guns like pointed at my eight-year-old grandma like i mean this is more of a pissed off like almost mad thing instead of a sad thing but it's like they've never had to think about that no. like never not once like i mean like maybe some of them have but they've never had to they've never had to to grapple with that in any way whatsoever in like the same way you know the children of of, of <sighs> japanese war crimes of anything have had to grapple with that and it's sad i mean it's sad because it, it's a huge barrier to progress you know and it's it makes you angry because it's like you see the hurt and you see the effect of that yeah. and you you see like if it's not something that's addressed it's just like you're seeing in palestine it's just going to happen again you know i find it's, that the japanese american person's experience to be so fascinating because you're saying obviously the trauma of the fact that your family members were placed at internment camps and you know you obviously know and you know i i know just like from hearing stories of people like you and older people that actually like well one of my friends was born in an internment camp she's a little older and 
like we know what that meant for those people right and obviously right. you included in this and the fact that it's so fascinating the japanese american experience because there's two sides to it right you are you know what it feels like to be the victim of living in a country america den who denies to this day that that was that big of a deal they're like no oh, come on guys relax and yeah i mean like oh, the amount of times like i've heard of like oh i had no idea like yeah, your grandparents yep. like actually it's like kind of wild to me because it's like and you're like fuck you it's not something uh, i'll ever forget yeah. or you will ever forget exactly yeah. like you have to live with the trauma of that because your family lived with it and now you are absorbing it and meanwhile these people who benefited from that and have never heard of it don't even have to deal with that and that's like this great anger which is like what i made in the video but then also yeah. I think in the video, what I was saying was that that's not that person's fault. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and like, it's not. like yeah. how I feel about Japanese people, like not Japanese American. I'm like, what the? F of course, this Japanese person who's 25 living in Japan right now doesn't know. About Why would they know? And I'm not mad at them for not knowing, you know? Well, I, and I think that <laughs> in a way. Like why I bring up that video too, though, is that like, I think. There is like a certain, I guess, responsibility because I think I'm on both sides of it, exactly. right? Like even though, yeah. like most of my family was in in the United States, like I had family like who were members of the Japanese military during World War II. I, like I think there's a responsibility on my end to be aware of like those atrocities that happened in like Manchuria and Korea. Yeah, awareness. because I mean that's how you grow. Like like that's how you make sure that it doesn't happen again. Like, that's the thing that like, I also need to come to terms with. And like, I find myself like, oddly enough, I feel like sometimes I'm the spoil sport when like people try to play the game, like kind of drinking the Kool-Aid of like, you know, Japanese cultural colonialism of being like, Oh, like, the Japanese are such a, like a docile people who like make anime. I was like, no motherfucker. Like, do you know like what happened? Like I have to be the spoil sport because like, I don't want people to forget that history because like yeah. i mean your video was such like a potent illustration of it is like forgetting that history is like forgetting like the pain of that history and like you can't work collectively as like a human race to not repeat yeah that history if you don't tell it like you don't you gotta try to people. not do it again yeah. you know like and what a fascinating place for you to exist because you're feeling I feel like what I'm hearing is part of the reason why you're so adamant about bringing up this uh, anti, this stereotype about Japanese people being quote unquote docile and gentle is because you have experienced the opposite end of that as a Japanese American person where you live in a society that denies you the right to, to mourn and grieve the fact that your family was uh, went through the severe trauma in this land. And it's like you're like you you're you're seeing it from this other angle. So you're like, no, I'm not gonna do what these people are doing to me. I'm gonna, I understand what that feels like when they're, you're gaslit by the oppressor. You know, um, right? And I mean, it's, yeah, it's dehumanizing on like multiple but levels. But also, can like I just mention really quick? I think a lot of people, a lot of Asian people, because, you know, like what you said about people saying positive stereotypes about Japanese people, Koreans are. Uh, being subjected to that too where they're like koreans are so right. fucking cool and not, and i'm like no they're not they're human beings and they suck sometimes right, and they right. if you let them they would do a genocide i know koreans i'm just kidding that's a horrible thing to say but come on like human <laughs> beings are human beings you know where there's nothing right. inherently like, different and i think it's harmful there's so many weird levels to it so too because it's just like yeah 
because I think it's for a lot of I'll speak for like yeah yeah it's dehumanizing to call but somebody docile it's embarrassing it's weird yeah yeah Japanese but like the weird docile. fucked up thing yeah. and this might be controversial is that like I think there's certainly Japanese people I'll speak for Japanese people like Japanese Americans um, who like very cynically invite that sort of oh yeah description of the culture yep. because they see how it benefits yep. us yeah, I, I've I benefit seen Koreans from it. do that too and so it's like it's like I feel like I'd be like yeah. no like we are capable of sucking too and I know that it doesn't benefit me to like mention that yes. but like that's that's like the thing like I that's why I think like but I don't yeah. think anyone should feel guilty like the white guilt or the Japanese guilt or whatever like yeah, guilt isn't the point but like I think acknowledging when you benefit from sweeping history under the rug and doing what little you can to make sure that doesn't happen yeah. is a responsibility yep. as as just like being a part of a world that you want to be a better place. Exactly. And that's not guilt. That's just exactly. trying to exist as, 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 as a human trying to be better every single day. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Yes, but I just, I hope wanna, I'm not saying anything. I, no, too no, out of you're pocket saying here. it. It's a, it's a very difficult abstract idea, but I think you nailed it on the head, which is to, move ahead and to make things better you have to acknowledge the bad stuff because it fucks with people when you don't but also i want to point out that this i i definitely know what you're talking about with asian people who lean into those st positive stereotypes because they benefit from them without understanding that they get greatly harmed by them you know what i mean because yeah. i remember yeah, I mean, it, it um i remember uh this fucking there's like some sort of online drama where this white person who was like an ally to an Asian person was there was like some inter-Asian <laughs> uh, beef online. And this white person we, we love was, some inter-Asian beef yeah, online. Friend, was friends with one of the Asian people. And she came in thinking that she was helping by being like, you people are just so sweet. Well, this is not like you. You guys are the calm, gentle, nice ones. Act like it. And we were like, shut the fuck up, Yo. bitch. I will fucking get that was the one comment that made me angrier than anything else. I was like, how oh, fucking I, I dare you so. dehumanize me? I'm a human being. And when I'm pissed, I'm angry. I'm not this like, I'm not this caricature that you invented in your head. Like, oh, Lady Paolo with tiny feet. That's not who I am. Like I'm a human being, you know. Yeah, and it's it, like, I mean, see, that's something that I always so joke bad. around about uh, Asian representation, like culturally. It's so dehumanizing. That, it's like, embarrassing to be called docile yeah. and gentle and sweet. It's like we're we're getting infantilized. Yeah. Oh, it's so infantilizing. Like, especially for I, I think men. Like, like Asian men can fucking kick your ass and steal your girl too. Don't fucking say that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Sorry. Oh, well, like, I like I'm kind of. I could be sometimes cynical about just like very. Uh, <laughs> what I feel something could be like lazy representation of like Asian Americans in media. Yeah. The thing though that I feel like I will at least to this point always celebrate almost to that point is like I will love when there's like an Asian American scumbag in something. Oh yeah. Because yeah. I feel like that's like the that's like the thing like, that like is so rare in American media. It's like, yeah. yo, we could be scumbags too. Yeah. Like we could be like asshole yeah. pieces of shit. Like we don't always have to be like what you like want to the corner you paint 
but then, us into. But then there's like this weird backlash among white people when they're like, you failed this idea of you in my head. How dare you? You know, like, and I'm like, yeah. Who who said that was what we were? You decided that, and now you're upset by yourself. And it, it, it's it's so funny if you actually grew up in an Asian American community because yeah. like it's like oh like you see like yeah like I know like a million guys who are like not that like I know a million women who are like I love not the Kevin Wynn uh, think uh, trope you know Kevin, like the fuckboy yeah. Kevin Wynn he's like oh yeah yeah EDM music <sighs> he's just fucking all the bitches that's what the representation we needed thank God. Um, it's a really big step forward. They, that it's gonna twenty years from now. There's gonna be like school reports on the Kevin Wynn meme. Like, oh, that was such a hallmark right moment now, in, as we speak. Actually, a dissertation is being written at in an Ivy League school at about this moment. Yeah, Kevin Wynn. Um, yeah, the area I feel like is the epicenter of the Ke- Kevin Wynn. And it's so interesting. Well, I'm so glad that we talked about this because I. I um, and I'm so glad that actually you watching that video were able to pick up on the fact that I'm not fucking pissed off at any Japanese oh, people. Yeah, what the fuck? And like, you know, th- this is the this is the interesting. And like, thing. I, I'm of the opinion that you have every right to be low key. Like, no, I'm pissed <laughs> like off I, at what happened, up, yeah. but I, I have the like presence yeah. of mind to know it has nothing to fucking do with like you and your family who have lived in America for like hundred and ten years at this point. like I'm not an idiot you know I'm not like fuck you like like, <laughs> like that's but um um it's just like the sense that all you have to do all I'm saying is that you just have to acknowledge it and like Koreans have done fucked up shit and whenever Korean people do fucked up shit like you know racist stuff Koreans love racism but like I'm just kidding everyone does. Oh, human all humans do it right I'm not saying just Koreans but like like whenever they do something fucked up I'm like uh, the first one to be like yep yep Koreans are fucked up for this cuz I know that the people who are hurt by that need to hear that and want to hear that and I'm not yeah, going to deny yeah. them that you know Absolutely I mean Yeah and yeah, nobody's perfect I mean it's the least you could do to just like try to make the world a better place, you know. And there's no inherent it's group like of people minimum. that's bad or good like that. That idea yeah, is creepy, yeah. and I, I think a lot of people have this idea that, like, that's what I was like trying to combat because I think a lot of Japanese people have this inherent idea that they're only good, like, which is what you brought up, like these people that lean into that stereotype. And I'm like, that is dehumanizing for your own race. Like, you shouldn't think of your people. Right. I mean, in yeah. You were talking on it. it's 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 self defeating. I mean, self defeating. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm like very. I can be such a cynic, but I'm such an optimist in that. Like, I I think the world can and is getting better. As 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 hard as it sometimes is to believe, looking around, but like it's it takes everyone. It takes like actually looking out for everyone yeah. and like not being selfish with it. I mean, like with like the college admission stuff, right? Like that's blowing up in in the east asian space who like brought that lawsuit like i think that um oh the anti um, against affirmative, affirmative action like, yeah yeah that, which was oh god it was a lawsuit that basically like rolled back a lot of affirmative action um Those protections i guess would be the best way to put it and then i think this was like the first year that emissions have gone through with those protections rolled back i hope i'm using the right terminology or at least what the general gist is coming through and like they looked at the statistics and it's like oh 
like this whole lawsuit was brought by East Asians thinking that they would be the beneficiaries, like that, that East Asians were suffering from affirmative yeah. action. And then like this first year has gone by and it's like, Oh, whoopsie y'all didn't, we, we didn't benefit from uh-huh. it. Like you just look now we have none of these protections. You selfishly didn't benefit from it. And then like, now everyone it's worse for like everyone Which, yeah it's like and that's what happens when you're not looking out for exactly you didn't collective listen. everyone yeah. you're just looking out for your niche community or not that and there's so niche. many levels to this specific story but we are niche Asians. yeah niche, we are the niche. Well, like, there's so many levels to this specific story and the painfulest one is how asian americans as the minor like the model minority have been used as pawns for the benefit of white people in this country for so fucking long and they keep falling for it. They keep fucking falling for it every single time. They're like, we hate black people. And I'm yeah. like, guess who's looking yeah. out for you? Black people. And now look, you're fucked. And like, we told you yeah. this would happen. Yeah. It's like yeah. every single time they fall for it. <sighs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it is self-defeating and it's like, I, I think the the overall like, the end of the story the like the point of like this conversation and it is very sad is that these stereotypes these positive stereotypes about asians are very harmful in this way that um number one creates a barrier between the people that were harmed by our cultures and us and i'm saying our cultures because I, I like i said koreans have done so many fucked up things too i don't i don't think there's anybody out there in the world that's like a, from a quote-unquote only good culture but like we it keeps us from the victims of harm and the people that like were the beneficiaries who forgot right um and so there's like this like disconnect of connecting with humans that i think like what you were saying is the most important thing if we're trying to build a better world and one part that's the bad part and then the second part is that even though the stereotypes seem positive at the end of the day they are harmful even positive stereotypes uh you know we're specifically talking about asian ones but to any community is harmful to to your community because they get weaponized and used against you and I think right, and like unless you're like working together collectively, dismantles the aspects of like the overarching institutions that you know, yeah, keep us everyone down, which is like you know white and patriarchal. Like if we're being quite honest, it's like you're just chipping away and not even chipping away. Like you're not even doing much of anything. You're just like shifting the blame, yeah, and the pressure in different directions perpetually until until and then nothing's happening and everyone's mad at each other and it's like and it's like okay you know like if you're from like this what i i said in the video like if you're from a culture that fucked up no one's mad at you like come on you can say it you can be like hey i'm from this culture that did this you know like no one no one in their right mind is actually as a white person too right exactly yeah exactly right yeah like oh man like the people are like oh but should i feel white guilt like it's like no, no. like no one's expecting you feel white just guilt acknowledge like, it yeah like, and say it's people, like learn some motherfucking history like shit that's it you know um, I'm, 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 I'm dwelling on like japanese atrocities i'm like fully aware of what white but what my other side's done as well right i know me too <sighs> hyper aware as well no it's the and it's like i feel like it is like uh any white person's responsibility to talk about it be the what, what were you calling yourself the spoil sport be the bummer be the, the wet blanket sport, yeah. in every party be like actually 
What was that uh, old SNL sketch? The I think it's called like Debbie Downer or something. Oh yeah, de- de- we need more Debbie Downers in this world. <sighs> anyway, well, thank you so much for sharing that story. And it is really sad, and, yeah, and I think it's so important to share that these traumas that seem so far away, which are not that tr- far away, we're talking about you know our grandparents, our uncles, our aunts, our parents, and it seems like some nineteen. 19- 50 black and white camera footage but it's not it's just it's not that long ago and they live with us all the time and we're yeah. so deeply affected. i mean like history is people try to make history seem like like an abstract concept and it's anything but right yeah and then especially in the news recently when you see active genocide happening and you and i just i think it triggers this thing like you hear about it happening to your family and you just know kind of about it and you start seeing it in the news and what it actually looks like and I think it triggers a lot of trauma. And I think a lot of people are experiencing that right now, you know, of, of yeah, every yeah, kind I of mean, gen- uh, culture. It's very hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been uh, rough. That's a whole can of words. I don't see how people aren't moved by it, you know? Like, it's like you, you don't understand how, like, these things happened in the past and, like, you're living through yeah. it. And, like, you're just seeing people who hold, you know, the reins to, like, stop it, just, like, make excuses or be, like, so indifferent Adding. to. to unmistakable evidence of just terrible heart terrifying breaking violence being perpetrated on innocent people i am a level of depressed that i cannot remember being in my adult life i am like depressed on a molecular level i've fucking given up it's so horrible yeah yeah and it's it's i mean like i didn't not to center myself and that's something i was so concerned with it's like i like didn't i didn't post like an entire like month and a half when when i'm still struggling uh, with that yeah it feels so um like frivolous i guess to like be like making jokes sometimes when 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 everything's going on um yeah I will say, though, can I say one last thing before we leave? I know people are like, oh, let's not celebrate the holidays and blah, blah, blah. And I have this. This is a lesson that I learned from my family who actually lived through, you know, genocide and war and whatever, getting killed. And they were like, fuck that. Like, when we're getting fucking killed, we're still going to be celebrating. We were getting married. We were celebrating birthdays because that's the that's life, you know, like. I mean, and I think it's that it's not that disrespectful to been... like not find joy in your life when other people are suffering. That's what we have to do because without that, then there's only suffering. And it's like I obviously want to be respectful to people who are in pain, but also you I know. mean, like seeing like those displays of like joy that are happening like in Gaza yeah. when they've come out has been like some of the most like hopeful. Yeah, <laughs> like talk about like it's like beautiful. like almost like happy like tears it's like it's like one of the most beautiful things like i've seen forever like that's yeah. what the optimist in you like tries to like latch on to in like the face of all this um it's like pe- people are still human i don't know and we also have the and like humans are important yeah i don't know anyway we also have the power to and we also have the the depth to like hold space for tragedy and do all this work and trying to like whatever we even though it seems like very futile like trying to make it better but also you know enjoy our lives and celebrate our lives because like we can't stop well, i mean like i think <laughs> like when you and jess home were talking about um i think you mentioned like the idea that like i, I feel like i've said responsibility a lot which i think is important but i i don't mean that in like 
sometimes like when people say responsibility, like it like harkens ideas of like anarcho libertarians being like personal responsibility. Yeah. I mean like collective responsibility, like for each other. Um, but like as like people with like even like slivers of, I feel like I only have like a sliver of a platform. There's like a, I don't, I'm like paraphrasing. This is like a combination of like what you guys were speaking on, like in a thought I had independently, where it's just like, I don't think anybody should be coming to like the dickhead talking into a phone in a TV mm. for information about like atrocities going on. Yeah. But I think like there's a responsibility of someone with like a small silver platform to like make it so abundantly clear that like the this collective is- normal, bare minimum normal opinion of like a human being who's aware in the world is to like stand against the tragedy that's yeah. going on, like stand against like genocide. And I think like, like if enough of us do that, I don't want to like center TikTokers or like, you know, center people in America. But like, I think that is a good use of whatever I agree. we're doing here on the, on the clock app. I agree. And I think that that, that entire conversation, the arc of that is what goes on in my head 24 seven all day long where I'm like, I don't want to center myself. Why am I talking about this? I'm dumb. And then it's like, I have to. And then what should I celebrate life? I feel guilty. It's like all of those thoughts going round and round. That is the life of a TikToker. (laughs) 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 And I I think that's a great place to leave it at that. That's the very off-putting thing that I've just said. And leaves a bad taste in everyone's mouth, and that's what I like to do. Yeah, niche, niche Asian TikTokers unite. Yeah, right? talking about our self-importance, and then we're like, okay, bye. We're gonna go do nothing now. Just kidding. So, what is your social media handle one more time for people who might, who might want to follow? Yeah, I'm Shoshin Boy on TikTok and Instagram. Um, and you can follow the podcast at Harry Butthole Podcast everywhere, and I am at YM Mayor, a young me mayor on TikTok. Bye.